You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Today we're having an important conversation about resilience and about adaptation. A lot of folks don't realize this, but this was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, Internal Medicine. And the researcher stated that upwards of 80% of all physician visits today are for stress-related illnesses. Stress is a huge underlying component of our degradation, of our breakdown as a species. Now, stress is very different today. We're exposed to a lot of micro to moderate stressors and not the intense big stressors that our ancestors might have been exposed to. For example, face-to-face with a saber-toothed tiger. They always use saber-toothed tiger, by the way, right? What about a, a woolly mammoth, all right? Woolly mammoth probably wouldn't be very pleasant to run up on either. But that exposure where we have to fight or flight or we have an exposure to a period of struggle trying to procure our food, maybe a rival tribe exposure in a, in, a, in a war circumstance or violence, but our stress response would be very high and then it would come back down. Right? We have a temporary stress, come back down. Today, stress after stress after stress, we have the same very primitive wiring in our response to stress has a, a lot to do with this integration point with our endocrine system and our nervous system. We're going to talk about this today, actually, with our special guest and the HPA axis and the implications that that has with stress and also how that can drain your body of a particular nutrient that's well noted to help to manage our immune system. So look out for that. That's really going to be cool to talk about today. But the bottom line is today, our overabundance of stress exposures, even the environments that we're living in, we are designed and hardwired for a constant association with nature with fresh air, with natural lights. We can effectively manufacture the lights that we want, the lighting conditions, and our system is confused. Evolution takes time. We've only had for recent decades the ability to kind of modulate and supersede a natural day and night cycle. We can effectively manufacture a daytime at night. Have you ever been to Vegas? All right, the city that never sleeps. Also, shout out to New York. They have that moniker as well, but just understanding like our circadian rhythms, you know, our circadian timing system within each and every one of our cells. And today we know that these are functional genes and proteins, these body clocks that are constantly trying to sync up all of the cells in your body with the 24 hour solar day. We're not just talking about planetary, we're talking about being synced up with the entire solar system. But we get so caught up in our micro world that we ignore the macro world and that we're a part of something much bigger. And so these micro stressors, you know, a, a stressful message from your boss or for, you know, something that's going on in a relationship context or traffic. Uh, I live in LA. I don't get it. Put in the GPS. We got two mile drive. Why is it taking 30 minutes? This is just two miles. I don't, I don't understand. All right. So traffic, but also. This is one of the greatest homes for podcasts and listening to podcasts because you're going to be in it, all right? Now, the thing about LA traffic, for folks that don't know, there is still some pattern to it. There is still a puzzle 
you can kind of put together and kind of ebb and flow with the traffic. You know where it's going to be more abundant at certain times of day, but still it can be inconvenient but, and also add to another stressor. So all of these things are helping to formulate our overall stress load. Also put on top of that, our diet stress. Just imagine how much it stresses our bodies eating some damn Apple Jacks, all right? Your, your DNA has no idea what the that is. It is so far removed from being real food. Anything with any resonance of life force or anything natural, it's just chaos that takes place within our system as it's trying to associate with, trying to assimilate whatever straggle of a nutrient, but also that's going to get zapped immediately to try to process this, the elimination, the detoxification, the metabolic waste, all of this stuff, incredibly stressful situation that happens when we're associating with these fake foods that now make up about 60% of the average American's diet is made of these ultra-processed foods. And I know this because not only was I a card-carrying member, I was also the president of the processed food consuming U.S. citizen, all right? So much so that I ate fast food about 300, at least 300 days a year, all right? This is, I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud of this. And I've done my work to help to make amends, not just for myself, but pay it forward in society in a major way. But that put me in this position. And we're going to talk about this actually after the interview today with our special guest. You'll hear more as to that story and some of the outcomes that it had for me that I don't often talk about. So make sure to stay tuned for that as well. But the bottom line is our abnormal conditions, our abnormal diet, our abnormal stress exposure, and our inability to process stress. Like we talked about recently in the episode with Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you haven't listened to that one, make sure after this episode, this powerhouse episode that you're into right now, make sure to check that episode out. And we're talking about the distinction between the mind and the brain and also being able to process our exposures and how powerful we are to change our minds and to change our lives. But so you couple all this together, an inability to properly assess and manage stress and our abundant stress exposures. We're in a position right now, we need a little help. All right, so that's what this episode is about. We're gonna be talking about this really remarkable category of nutrition called adaptogens. And some of the science around this is going to blow your mind. Super powerful and really, really excited about this. I've got one of the leading experts in the world on this subject matter. And wow, just super powerful information for us to know. And it's also empowering itself because we have access to things like this today because this speaks to the benefit of innovation and growth in our connected society. That can also be a detriment in another way. So. We're marrying today ancient wisdom and also modern technology in a really special formula that our special guest is very well equipped to be able to share and to dictate. Now, during the episode, he briefly mentions one of my favorite adaptogens that I utilize on a regular basis that I don't want to glance over because it's so accessible, but it's also so powerful. In fact, in the context of stress, this adaptogen is very remarkable in helping us to manage our emotions. A study published in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology points to turmeric's potential in reducing the severity of both anxiety and depression. 
Another study published in the European Journal of Nutrition uncovered that compounds in turmeric can downregulate inflammatory cytokines and upregulate the activity of things like adiponectin and other satiety-related hormones that help us to feel more satiated and balanced. All right, now, turmeric obviously has become much more popular, specifically an isolated compound in turmeric called curcumin. Now, curcumin has some remarkable benefits with cognitive function, with anti-inflammatory capacity. But what people are really missing out on is that there are over 300 bioactive compounds in turmeric itself. We're missing out on all these other powerful cofactors and polyphenols and other really remarkable phytonutrients. One of them is a compound called artumerone. And in and of itself, it provides turmeric's really powerful, more abundant than curcumin, its anti-inflammatory abilities. And so this is why I love a super concentrate of turmeric, in addition, biopotentiators that make turmeric work better in the human body. And this is why I utilize the turmeric complex from Paleo Valley. It's one of my all-time favorite supplements. This is something that I personally use on a regular basis. Highly encourage you to check it out. You get 15% off, actually, if you go to paleovalley.com forward slash model. Use the code MODEL at checkout. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y dot com forward slash model. Use the code MODEL at checkout. Grab their turmeric complex. It's phenomenal. It should be in your superfood cabinet, your supplement cabinet all the time. Super helpful in times of stress. When you know you're about to face a stressful day or you're traveling, that's a good time to up that intake of this turmeric concentration. And also, of course, if you feel something coming on a little you know, if you've been exposed to some sickness, radiation, these are all helpful. Again, these are adaptogens. However, being an adaptogen, as you're going to learn about today, it really works to kind of tonify and build up over time your body's resilience to these stressors in the first place. So you're not trying to treat a symptom and trying to get back to health. You can just stay healthy so you don't have to get healthy. All right, head over there, check them out. It's paleovalley.com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Awesome by JDBF2011. I have learned so much interesting and useful information on this show. Love the diverse topics and guests. Amazing. Thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that acknowledgement. And it's something that we strive for, of course, just bringing a level of excellence when we're bringing on world-class experts in their respective fields. And today's episode is nothing short of that level of excellence. So let's jump into this conversation with our special guest and our topic of the day. Our guest today is Taro Isokapala. And he's the author of multiple best-selling books, including Healing Mushrooms and his latest book, Healing Adaptogens. Taro was chosen twice as one of the world's top 50 food activists by the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and has appeared in Time Magazine, Forbes, Vogue, GQ, Bon Appetit, and many other major media outlets. Taro is also well known for being the founder of Four Sigmatic, and also his roots go back to his homeland in Finland, where he grew up growing and foraging natural foods on his 13th generation family farm. And also he earned a degree in chemistry, as well as business and a certificate in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. So such a diverse experience, such a wealth of knowledge. Let's jump into this conversation with the one and only 
Taro Isokapala. All right, we've got Taro Isokapala in the studio. I said that right, didn't I? Yeah, you did. That's right. The because best you're ever. my guy. You're my <laughs> guy. Welcome to the Model Health Show studio. This is your first time here. Oh, it's beautiful. Congrats yeah. on building it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Last time I saw you, we were in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. You know, we were in a nice recording studio. But being in spaces like that, you never know what's going to happen in between sessions. Like I might come on a Friday, come back the next Friday. Barbara Streisand has been there. She's got her glitter all over the desk or whatever. <laughs> Mike Tyson recorded there one time and had the room smelling a little weird. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, it's really good to have a home space. So, yeah, yeah, it's nothing like your own. Yeah, but thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. I know you're a new dad again. Yeah. Double dad, new baby mm -hmm. is here. And uh, man, you just, it's, it's, kids are the cutest ever. They are the best ever. They, they're kind of uh, hard to describe with words. Yeah. It's something, words are such a low form of communication when you try to describe a, a child. Yeah. yeah. And also, of course, you're getting the sleep dialed in mm -hmm. as well. We talked about that a little bit, you know, me and you, mm -hmm. it's kind of off the record. So how's that been going? Yeah. Um, well, I would say for parents, it's one and then one for the kid, but definitely for the kid, it's been incredible to do the sleep training with the older one and now kind of starting with the second one. And it's, it's, um, it's a good lesson also on sleep hygiene for us adults and how important it is and to get it right and routine. Because uh, I think it, as an adult, we can kind of get away with like bad sleep hygiene, but with kids, you see how important it is and consistency. So it makes you also strive to be even more consistent with your own sleep hygiene. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's probably that gap in our thinking is that we have these cultural beliefs that the kids are just here to wreak havoc mm -hmm. on your sleep and on your life. But the reality is their, their little human DNA compilation wants to sleep too. Mm -hmm. They're not at odds with you. They're just trying to sort out. They were in this very protected environment. They're here. They're trying to get everything sorted out, but it tends to be us in our culture today as adults. Our stuff is so all, all over the place when we come into it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just finding that pattern that match together and finding some grace. And by the way, it was a few years ago, but we'll put some notes for everybody, um, link in the show notes to an episode we did, Sleep Tips for Parents and the mm -hmm. Science of Napping. So that's some of the stuff that I share with you Amazing. and your wife. And apparently I'm getting quoted in your house. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife keeps saying, keep his ass up uh, in the <laughs> evening to extend the tiredness. And so then when they go to bed, they're extra tired and they'll sleep longer and better. Yeah, that's what I left in your voice text. Keep that ass up. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, because again, sometimes when the baby goes to sleep, we just, that's like our time. Like, okay, they're asleep. But then they're going to get up, especially mm -hmm. in the evening. Mm -hmm. Once we get to that time when you're trying to get, create a sleep pattern, don't let them fall asleep too early. Like, just keep them up, keep them entertained. Because, mm -hmm. of course, we know the baby gets fussy mm -hmm. when they're sleepy. Just keep them entertained, have some, you know, have some one on one time and just make sure they're nice and tired, nice and full belly at that time. Mm -hmm. Just little simple stuff like that. But, man, you've got an incredible new book, Healing Adaptogens, Pivoting Off of Healing Mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And this book is phenomenal. It was so interesting to read and the stories and the background and integration. We have this fascinating category in nutrition called adaptogens. So first of all, what are they? Adaptogens are natural substances that help you to adapt to stress. And uh, it's an evidence-based word. Mm -hmm. There are these words in nutrition like superfoods that are good words, but they don't really mean anything. 
Adaptogen is actually a scientific word, and it's been around for 70 years in research to describe things that create these uh, balancing effects in our body that we can go deep dive into. Um, but the actual substances have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years around the world. And they're kind of like from every corner of the world, the best of the best of the best. And then later, modern research has validated them. Yeah. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised, but not really surprised because of who you are, but just the amount of research, mm -hmm. you know, and just citing some of the best studies, a lot of, you know, randomized controlled trials, placebo controlled trials really supporting the efficacy of these things, like you said, it's been around thousands of years. So let's talk a little bit about what makes an adaptogen an adaptogen. You cited three specific things. One of them is being non-toxic. Yep. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so actually that roots to the origins of how this was discovered. So the idea of adaptogens came in the former Soviet Union and, and they were trying to find out what to give to soldiers to perform better without addictive properties around the world, not just in Russia, um, people have been giving nicotine, caffeine, amphetamine, different stimulants to enhance performance, but there's addictive properties and there's a huge letdown day of, ne next day if you don't continue to use it or up the dose. So they were trying to find what are non-stimulants that would still improve performance. So the very first researcher, Dr. Lazarov, made a definition that an adaptogen needs to be safe non-toxic, non-addictive. And that's actually super not that common in herbalism either. There's many day-to-day -day foods from, let's say, garlic that you shouldn't take every day because they have either a stimulative or sedative impact. You know this from the sleep world. Um, you know, you could take chamomile every day, but if you start pounding valeriana every day, mm -hmm. that will eventually catch up to you or kava or something like that. Um, so they're safe. You can take them every day. You cannot get addicted to them and they don't have this toxic load. Awesome. So that's one of the tenets. We got non-toxic. What's another one? Non-specific. What does that mean? Yeah. And that's where you lose a lot of people because the body has 11 main systems in, in physiology and anatomy. Um, you have your reproductive system, your skeletal system, your nervous system. You have your circulatory system, your digestive system. Um, Anyway, the, the, the point being is that they impact systematically your body. So instead of like, hey, here's one building block for this, but they support our system to operate more efficiently, therefore reaping benefits, which also means goes to, to the third one, which is that they restore balance. Because the systematic approach, they are able to, you could take them in the morning and in the evening and get benefits in both cases, which is again where you lose a lot of people. But to use one example, they could, for example, improve the ability of blood circulation or oxygen intake. So imagine if you have more oxygen in the morning, what happens? You're more energized. What happens if you have more oxygen in the evening? You're going to sleep better. And especially people who have or stuffy nose or can't breathe properly, they actually might get sleep apnea or don't sleep so well. So oxygen, as one example, mm. is, an, is a thing that helps you in both morning and evening, and that's what the adaptogens support. Mm. And that's fascinating because generally we have a certain food or herb that's targeting a body part, kind of like a dominant mm -hmm. force, like maybe a beet, for example, and targeting the cardiovascular system or the yep. heart. 
versus something. And of course, there are systemic because everything is connected. But truly, with adaptogens, they're nonspecific. They're mm-hmm. really tonifying so much of the body. Is that is that correct? Yes, exactly. And we can go into the methods of action of different systems, but they um, they provide the the right kind of stimuli or this hormetic stressor into these body parts so that the body parts have the ability and intellect to operate correctly. So instead of upregulating or downregulating these systems, they provide the systems with these triggers to be better either way. Yes. So if, for example, we are in a state where, again, we're, our bodies are always seeking homeostasis, but mm-hmm. we tend to be around or create conditions to where it makes the body struggle to reach homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So with adaptogens, they help us to adapt, right? So they help us to, if we're, things are kind of running low and we need to be energized and bring our energy up to balance, they can do, they can work from that angle Mm -hmm. or they can help to bring down calm. Maybe we're in a state of anxiety and bring you, bring, bring everything down. So and this can happen within the same person. And you break that down in the book. And you also use wonderful frameworks like with Ayurveda, traditional mm-hmm. Chinese medicine. These systems have been around literally thousands of years. And also you're tying that into Western medicine mm-hmm. in this like wonderful trifecta. Like what was the driving force to put all those together? Because I, I've been in nutrition since I was a child. And I've worked with adaptogens now for 20 years. And I find frustrating in health and wellness and nutrition, this kind of black and white thinking, and then like um, pegging things against each other. And I find that it's not productive. These beliefs um, don't support the cause. And I'll give a couple examples. People love to hate if, if you should, are carbs good or bad? Are fats good or bad? Should you eat plant-based or not eat plants? You know? And I find it problematic because that's really not a, for most people, that's not critical. Unlike sleep is critical, but th- those are not what you should be obsessed with. And um, it also confuses a lot of people. A lot of people are confused because they hear an expert say, don't eat that. And then a next expert says, do eat that. And then this next guy will show like our teeth and say, we're designed to eat meat. And then this next person like, look at our teeth. You're not designed to eat meat. Look at our <laughs> yeah. digestive tract. And I think it just ends up um, obviously your listeners are very educated, but most people out there, I guess in, myself included, it's easy to get confused. And there's these dualities. And one of them is science versus natural. Like they're like against each other, but they're not. Yeah. Science is the pursuit of truth and it's validating certain functions and it has its right place, but it also has its flaws, right? But if you could take things like adaptogens that are, uh, evidence-based and validated by modern science, but also been used after generation after generation after generation safely. And it, though every generation has thought of them as this, the best of the best. So I think to me, that's beautiful. You don't have to sacrifice. Yeah, I love it. And by the way, in the book, and make sure everybody gets a copy like yesterday, in Healing Adaptogens, you outline the the tenets here. Because one of the one of the flaws in conventional medicine and modern medicine today here in the United States in particular is this one size fits all mm-hmm. perspective, right? So if you have a headache, you take this drug or you have fill in the blank. Everybody gets the same medicine, 
oftentimes the same dose unless you're a kid. Like mm-hmm. 12 and under is the only, you know, mm-hmm. s- stipulation. But in general, it's a one-size-fits-all treatment modality. It doesn't take into account hardly at all your unique attributes. Whereas these other systems, traditional Chinese medicine, you have a certain temperament that's being paid attention to that you're just kind of, there's this nature versus nurture there that can be de- kind of deconstructed. But with Ayurveda, same thing. And I would use some of these tenets in my nutrition practice many years ago. There is a certain body constitution or mm-hmm. dosha that at least gives some classification, some uniqueness to us to start to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the anecdote I like to say is that in modern medicine where it kind of falls short is that headache is a headache despite the body experiencing it. So like whoever has a headache, it's the same. But, you know, it's not, we're not the same. And also we as individuals keep evolving. So if you had a headache 10 years ago, Every cell in your body basically has changed since, and you are a different version of yourself. So taking into the account either the seasons, is it winter or summer, or your body types. And by the way, all of these are also backed up by modern science. If anybody listening who's into bodybuilding or fitness, you've heard of the body type. Like, are you an ectomorph? Or like, how easy it is to gain muscle is, is a clue on your metabolic process. Do you run fast and quickly uh, or is it slower and more calm and that impacts how quickly you build muscle how quickly you lose fat it also means like maybe how what's your temperament like do you get angry easily or are you super calm and that how does for example spicy foods heating and cooling foods impact your body they're just good clues to have um, it's not something you need to obsess if you're thing into you know, herbs, mushrooms, adaptogens. It's not something you need to like, like I got to get this right on day one, but it is good as you progress to think about a little bit of your own body and what works for you. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because we are using modern technology, for example, to see the different body types and Mm -hmm. your muscle fiber dominance, right? So are you more geared towards, like my wife being from Kenya, some of the best long distance runners ever. Not my wife, (laughs) She's she's not into that. But, you know, having more of those slow twitch fibers, mm-hmm. right, versus somebody who's more geared towards, acclimated towards sprinting, short distances mm-hmm. very quickly, you know. So there are just, based on the way that we're constructed, our genetics were kind of put together a certain way. Now, obviously, that's what makes us so remarkable as humans. We can change. We mm-hmm. can tilt the scales in certain directions. But what if we really, like with nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics, we can kind of dial in what is your temperament right now? Mm-hmm. And what would your genes be more happy with that we can feed you, right? So it's really exciting. But I want to get into how adaptogens actually work systemically. And it has a lot to do with this major kind of super highway in our bodies that's managing our stress. Mm-hmm. And you said in the book, this is a direct quote, together the HPA can be thought of as the endocrine energy director that controls how your body reacts to stress on a physiological level, unquote. Can you talk about what that means? Yeah. So us, we've been here as, you know, homo sapiens about 200,000 years, they say, smarter people than me. And before that as pre-humans. And over that time or whatever time period it is, we've built evolutionary triggers. Like you said, you can change up to a certain level. But if you take multiple generations, now you can change even more. 
And over time, depending who your ancestry is, we've exposed ourselves to different challenges and we've learned how to deal with it. That's our special power is our ability, how adaptable humans are against other species. And we've, one of the most impactful things is how we deal with stress. Stress is not new. And I would also like to say that stress is good. Not just the, there's a, you might've heard use stress and distress, use stress being good stress, distress being distressful, so it's bad. But I think all of the stressors are good because they help our body to perform better when it's needed. So now comes lion attacks you, boom, okay. Let's shut down some systems like on a computer screen. Let's close some tabs we don't need. We don't need reproductive system at that point. Oof. We don't need digestive system. We don't need to digest food right now. Let's, let's use those, close those tabs and use our computing power to upregulate our circulatory system, right? And one of the masterminds of this all is our endocrine system, which is our hormones. So you might've heard hormones. Many people who've heard of hormones might not know what they are, but they're messengers, they're slow moving messengers. And this HBA axis is at the core of this, our hormonal system. It's our hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenals. It's this trifecta that basically is like, like you said, the master highway. And it tells the other systems kind of getting their place. So they're like the captain in the football team or something like that. They're like, hey guys, let's, the quarterback, you know, like, hey guys, let's go in order. And, uh, and they respond when we have a trigger. Back in the day, it was that lion maybe. And now it's uh, an angry email from your landlord or whatever. And that triggers a response in us and, and our, our heart rate goes up. And that is again, good. The problem is we've now artificially created a huge society with huge amounts of these constantly bombarding stressors. And that means we're like, if prolonged, we're chronically stressed. And that means, for example, that in our blood plasma, just as one example of many, our stress hormone cortisol is too high. And then, you know, from a sleep point of view, if when you go to bed and your blood plasma's cortisol levels are still too elevated, then your melanin, um, melatonin um, will then not be able to peak in a way that you sleep, get high quality sleep. So the hormonal system, the endocrine system is the kind of the quarterback for everything else. And it responds into these triggers. And if the response is not ideal, it'll probably have a long-term negative impact on life quality, uh, starting with energy, then sleep, but later mood and other body functions from like thyroid and, and right. ability, to, ability to perform every day. I love that. This is one of the few books that mentions the fact that along that superhighway, the HPA axis, the thyroid is one of the stops. Mm -hmm. This is well noted in our culture now. A lot of people are aware. It's kind of like the metabolism general in, mm -hmm. in many ways. And it's deeply affected by stress as well. But when we have thyroid issues, we just tend to like look at the thyroid. The thyroid is the problem. Let's use a drug or a supplement mm -hmm. to try to treat the thyroid, not understanding that it is intimately connected to this overall stress, stress pathway. And it's so cool. In the book, you mentioned that the adrenals under stress secrete large amounts of vitamin C and vitamin B5. Mm -hmm. So this is how it all starts to play together with what adaptogens can do to help to 
normalize or to bring homeostasis with the HPA axis? Yeah, I absolutely hate the nutritional guidance that we get for a lot of reasons, but here's that is one of the main reasons. So one is that all of these, like the amount of, let's say magnesium or vitamin C one needs uh, is based on a bell curve around standard population against major illnesses, not even optimal human performance, but they're like, hey, how, how do we keep 95% of people not having osteoporosis? Okay, this is the minimum dose of calcium. Or that's how the mind works. That's not thriving. Secondly, life situations impact our needs dramatically, right. stress being one of them. And different things like the amount of EMFs might start requiring more magnesium. So now suddenly your magnesium needs are sky high. If you fly, for example, you travel and fly, now you need to up your dose way above normal standards. And I think vitamin C and B vitamins, because they're water soluble and safe, they're incredibly powerful and safe in the times of stress. It's not like you will have scurvy and be vitamin C deficient. And knowing that high doses of vitamin C and especially in natural form that is bioavailable has massive impact on pretty much every body system and absorption of other nutrients like iron and whatnot. Awesome. Let's talk about how adaptogens help to kind of supplant the body's needs mm -hmm. to dump out so many, so many of those antioxidants mm -hmm. and immunoregulatory factors like vitamin C, how adaptogens can help your body to stay in more balance so you're not just gassing yourself out. Yeah, there's few methods of action. I would, um, and I, in the book, I kind of I outline all of them, but just to highlight a few. So um, one is, is these, modulators like the polysaccharides beta deglucans we went deep on them in our uh, podcast a few years ago so if you haven't listened to that episode you can go and learn about the 1.3 beta deglucans and how they modulate immunity but they basically go into our gut they give uh, our natural killer cells and uh, you know cytokines a message to like hey get our stuff together but not in a stimulated way but they like put them into work and that's one way how we can stimulate. And the immunity is underlooked because people only care about it when they're sick, but the immunity is deeply tied with our gut health, um, our microbiome and mycobiome. There's a mushroom biome in our gut. Everyone's gut has fungi. And then that through the vagus nerve impacts our mood and how we build neurotransmitters. A lot of the neurotransmitters are built in our gut. So happy gut also means happy mood. So those are built there. So that's one method of action. Related to that is antioxidants like vitamin C, melanin now that I, 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 I spoke earlier, um, which is separate than melatonin. Melanin is a, um, often linked with our skin and our skin color, but it's actually an antioxidant. Gives me my nice Complexity. Uh, cocoa color. Yeah, exactly. But it's also an antioxidant. And you hear these with, everybody throws this word kind of like antioxidant. And um, it's used so much that it becomes, starts meaning nothing, but they're actually very powerful, particularly these polyphenols and things. And they coat the lining of our gut, mm. but they also impact on cellular energy, like how quickly or slowly our cells die, how our mitochondria work. It's super powerful way how it works. And the last one is, is these terpenes and saponins, which are 
compounds that are really like creating a stress on the body in a good way, like lifting weights, like makes your body stronger. Um, so these it's called xenohormases and the, the plants force the body to become stronger by giving a little kick in the butt. Mm. And that's how it kind of reactivates certain body functions. That's so fascinating. And th these are all embedded in a lot of the adaptogens, these particular nutritive powerhouses. You know, you just mentioned polysaccharides, antioxidants, the terpenes, the phenols you also mm -hmm. talk about as well. And that's in that category with antioxidants and in some ways, and they do other things as well. Um, but just to point back a little bit to melanin, you know, I mentioned, of course, like this is one of those things that it's baked into humanity. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the sun baking us in a sense mm -hmm. like this can help to express that. But so we've got this. So also, you know, along with the skin, also the color of the eyes, mm -hmm. hair, all that stuff. But what we're really looking at here is a very potent antioxidant. And this is something that it's not just within us. This isn't within certain adaptogens as well. Mm -hmm. So is there a particular adaptogen that we can find some melanin in? Yeah, um, there's actually a few. Um, chaga is, the, is one of the anti antioxidants that is the highest in melanin. And it is very powerful. I would generally say is that these color pigments are a good clue on some health benefits. And if you're looking for longevity and um, long-term well-being, black foods are very powerful. Not just chaga, but also coffee, cacao, black olives, black sesame seeds are examples of foods that are particularly good for longevity. Um, there's other color pigments we can talk about. The reds are then like you mentioned beets, but there's also other red polyphenols, red foods with polyphenols that are good for like circulatory things and heart. And they all kind of serve a little different thing. So if you've ever heard a long time ago in the 80s, somebody talk about the rainbow diet, there's something there. You just want to know where you're getting those. Wow. It's like nature gave us like a Dora the Explorer map, <laughs> you know, it just, it's so simple if we pay attention to it. That indication with black foods, darker mm -hmm. foods, you know, dark brown as well, being an indicator of some melatonin. I'm sorry, I just said melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> being an indicator of melanin, which is so yeah. funny that these things are very close, being an indicator of melanin content. And chaga is arguably, maybe not so arguably, one of the most, if not the most dense source of antioxidants. Correct. The other one is cacao, real chocolate. I'll give you a couple fun studies that I recently learned. There's a study, I believe it was a 2019 study out of Zurich in Switzerland about dark chocolate, 74% dark chocolate to be precise. And they, um, um, they looked at cardiovascular health. And, and one of the things they noticed that literally um, blood circulation improves for eight hours after eating dark chocolate. It's also funny that we eat it at night, but in a way you should eat it before a workout. There was another study where they gave in vivo, which is not that common. That means that they gave it to actual living beings, humans, and they gave people, these test people, uh, human influenza virus. So basically flu. They gave on purpose people flu. And the one group didn't get any help and they looked at how they behave with the flu. The other group got cacao. So chocolate in the purest form, chocolate, 
three weeks eating it before and three weeks after getting the hu human influenza virus. And the people who ate chocolate, basically the cacao powder, uh, felt massively better than the people who didn't eat chocolate. So black foods, chocolate, chocolate, whatnot, get it in. You know, it's like dark chocolate in its purest form is really good for you. Yeah. And finding creative ways, healthful ways to do it has mm -hmm. never been easier. Of course, our initial exposure to chocolate in our culture for the vast majority of, majority of us is Halloween candy type, mm -hmm. shit, you know, so, you know, Three Musketeers and, you know, Snickers bars and Hershey's Kisses and all those things that are riddled with all of these toxicants and, you know, low quality sweeteners and artificial this and artificial that so far removed from its origin. But I love it because you have this highlighted so well in healing adaptogens. And also, I didn't, I don't know if I've told you this. I, I think I might've mentioned this to you, but even today, before coming to the studio today, I made my youngest son, this is one of his favorite things, just his morning ritual. I made him the Rishi Hot Cocoa from Four Sigmatic. Mm -hmm. And this is imbuing, and you talk about this in the book, how most adaptogens have this synergistic effect with other adaptogens. Mm -hmm. And so in it, you have one of these adaptogens being cacao, but also reishi mm -hmm. is a part of that formula. Can you talk about reishi and how it plays a role, a profound role as an adaptogen? Yeah, it's one of the most studied things you can find uh, of the adaptogens and anything. Uh, ginseng has a massive amounts of research, about 30,000 research papers. Turmeric has about 4,000 research papers. These are a lot, by the way. Even 200 is a lot. Um, but Rishi's right up there. And it was in the first Materia Medica in traditional Chinese medicine. It was ranked as the number one, the greatest of all time of all the herbs, even though it's a mushroom. And uh, it's known as the queen of mushrooms. It grows on tree logs and it's very bitter and it's very powerful. Often the bitter, the better. And um, it has tremendous benefits for immunity, gut health. There's very interesting rodent studies about it of how just taking that along with normal uh, workout regimen, people lost weight because it started improving. This is a study out of San Francisco and um, they, they, the rats, basically their gut biome improved and because of the result of better digestion, they lost more fat on an identical diet and workout regimen than the rats that didn't get it. But what it's the biggest power for me is with, uh, with Rishi, it's its impact on the HPA axis that we talked um, and the endocrine system and its ability to balance out our stress and, and with often resulting in more deep sleep. So um, Rishi is great if you have occasional stress, and it is amazing if um, particularly people who want to try to naturally improve their sleep quality. Now, here's what's really fascinating about an adaptogen like Rishi is that it works on the appropriate place because you just mentioned its influence on sleep quality. But I'm giving this to my son to start the day mm -hmm. and he's energized and happy mm -hmm. and calm and balanced. And by the way, I've shared this study before, but it's so powerful because this was published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior. Mm -hmm. This is a journal dedicated to pharmacology. Mm -hmm. But it looked at the profound impact of reishi mushroom on sleep quality. And the researchers found that it can significantly decrease sleep latency, meaning you fall asleep faster, 
also increasing overall sleep time and also increasing non-REM deep sleep and REM sleep as well. All of these benefits, just checking those boxes. Mm -hmm. And so this could be something great in the evening to help you to wind down. So how do we deal with that conflict mentally where it's just like, this is supposed to do this one thing over here. Why on earth would I have Rishi to start the day if it's supposed to, if it's supposed to make me sleepy? But mm -hmm. the thing is, it doesn't make you sleepy. Correct. So let's talk about that. Yeah, and that's where, uh, like I said in the beginning, the definition of uh, these adaptogens being targeting multiple systems and restoring balance is very confusing because we're taught this very reductionist view that, hey, you take something, an upper or downer, right. you take a pill for an ill. And that's not necessarily how a lot of things work in nature or in our bodies. There's a lot of examples of drinking water, like, hey, you, you know, or salt or things, these fundamental nutrients, you can take them in the morning and in the evening. But um, in this case, the methods of action are not sedative. They're not calming your body in a way that it's going to reduce body function. Instead, it's trying to get rid of the stuff that make the sleep quality worse. So it's trying to remove roadblocks instead of like calm you down directly. So that's the power of the systematic approach versus the sniper rifle approach where you're just trying to hit this one thing. And um, that's why they are so sustainable and they have so many other benefits, um, you know, that come with it. So, so let's talk about the, because people, hear things like this and they get excited about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Rishi sounds amazing. It's the number one thing mm -hmm. in traditional Chinese medicine. It's mushroom of immortality. Correct. Right? You know, and so it can be very exciting and energizing. Like, where I want to go get this. And then they go and you give some great distinction. It's so important right now because marketers tend to screw everything up. Like, they'll, they'll find out about it and they'll create products that are literally missing the point when it comes mm -hmm. to something like medicinal mushrooms or functional mushrooms. So folks can go out and buy a reishi supplement and they're not act actually extracting any of these nutrients, the beta-glucans or the polysaccharides because of the extraction method not being there. That might be just powdering down a mushroom. Let's talk about how to actually get what we're looking for out of the mushroom itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a study that came out a couple of years ago, a USP study studying the um, Rishi supplements sold in the United States. And that study, and I believe it was then published in Science, which is arguably the most credible of these journals. And uh, it showed that 74% of Rishi supplements sold in the US don't contain any Rishi mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn, I mean. So it's an issue. It's an issue. Um, in some cases, it is marketers that just want to capitalize and make a lot of money. In some cases, it is companies that don't know any better because we are not very mushroom illiterate. We are mushroom illiterate here in the US. We don't have this knowledge. Um, same with adaptogens. America is behind, but there's a lot of confidence that America is the best, mm. you know? So um, that's a little bit of an issue. That, that's one of the reasons why I write these books is to bring people the knowledge so that we can make more educated choices. And I think that's already started to happen. So what should you look for is you got to make sure that you're first of all getting what you think you're getting. So if you want ashwagandha, make sure the product actually includes ashwagandha or reishi or whatever it is. Um, secondly, you want it in the right form. 
if you're meant to use the root of the plant or the fruit of the band, then make sure it should say in the supplement facts that it is using that part. And then you want to make sure it's bioavailable. In most cases, that means it's extracted. Um, and then you want to make sure it's pure. You know, organic is a good starting place, not perfect. But if you've not done that, then what other corners are you skipping? So those to me are some critical factors. Um, the other thing I see a lot, particularly with beverages, bars, and certain powders, is that they say um, they have so little of it. They just put enough of it that on the label they can say this bar includes reishi or this powder includes Oh, this is the most insane is you see these powders that it's a little scoop. And he says, we have 70 superfoods and adaptogens. And looking at the science, you need enough of a dose on each one to get the effect desired outcome. So based on modern science, you just can't have like, the science says minimum 250 milligrams, ideally twice a day for 60 days. And then you take 25 milligrams, you take one tenth of what they're asking. Mm. Uh, once a day, every other day, you're not going to get the benefits. So yeah, just as a consumer, make sure you're getting what you think you're getting, getting it in the right form, getting it bioavailable, and making sure it's pure. Yeah. Now let's talk about the extraction method itself. So barring, so we already identified that Rishi might not even be present in the thing that you're <laughs> going for. Now let's just say that it is present. Yeah. How we actually be able to extract some of these adaptogenic compounds? Yeah. So a lot of these nutrient-dense foods and many herbs are not bioavailable by themselves. And that's actually true for a lot of common foods as well. Take rice. You got to cook the rice, right? You got to cook it, make it edible. And that's because these plants have created these nutrients and compounds to protect themselves. So they have a little shell. They're in their shelf and they need to be somehow processed. That could mean fermentation, that could mean cooking. But in the case of adaptogens, it's often a combination of hot water and another solvent that is commonly alcohol that will later evaporate from the product. But you need something to extract, hence the name extract, of these beneficial compounds out of it. Our ancestors would boil tea or soup and put you know, fats and water in it, and that would be the way to get it out. Um, but in today's world, there is people who can do it for you and you can just get the extract form. That means it's concentrated mm. and it means usually it's extra bitter and extra strong. So you got to be careful. It's like a spice you use, not too much of it. You don't put two tablespoons of it. But um, it also means that it, it, in that case, it is bioavailable and the active compounds have been broken from the sturdy product. Let's say a root or an inedible mushroom it's hard. It's like a rock. And so that's why you need to cook it. What is that shell called? With mushrooms, it's called chitin. It's the same structure you see on a shell of a lobster. So you wouldn't eat the lobster shell. You got to remove the lobster shell. In this case, you got to cook it off. You almost make it like you would make bone broth, you know, like bone broth. They cook the bones for many, many hours. And, and that's how you get this liquid that has naturally collagen and these other nutrients. And that's kind of similar with adaptogens. You cook it and you kind of extract it into the liquid and then you can make the liquid into a powder. Mm, that's called a decoction. Yes. So if you make tea at home and you make yourself a nice cup of green tea, that's called an infusion. You leave it 
put boiling water for three minutes, five minutes, something around that, right? Or you make coffee, you put it on a French press, you got the grounds, that's infusion. But decoction is you cook it on high heat for hours, sometimes days, but you put it on the stove, fairly high heat, and you let it cook for 12 hours. That's called a decoction. And then if you use alcohol, that's called a tincture. And if you combine the two, the, the broth, the decoction, and the tincture, that's called a dual extraction. Yeah, that's what blew me away when we first met was that specific thing. Because for years, I would get decoctions, you know, hot water extracts of mushrooms, mm -hmm. and I'd also get tinctures. So I'm buying these separate things to try to get the various benefits because one extraction, extraction method isn't going to get everything out from the mushroom that you might be looking for. Mm -hmm. And so meeting you guys and you were doing a dual extraction, I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't mm -hmm. know anybody was doing that for me. And not only did it save me money, the quality was just outrageous because of course, like getting things that are wild harvested and, mm -hmm. you know, just the standards were so high and you could tell the potency of Four Sigmatic versus, you know, fill in the blank. And so that's why, again, even with my son today in the Rishi Hot Cocoa, it's a dual extraction of the Rishi. By the way, go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. Get 10% off everything, all right, store-wide. And today, in addition to that, I want to ask you about this one. I haven't talked about my love for this yet because I, it was off my radar. I've been using the coffee grounds, the cordyceps recent, recently, mm -hmm. the cordyceps coffee. And I used to do like bring it with me, like the little travel packs, mm -hmm. you know, but now I've got the, the coffee grounds itself and I'm doing the drip. Mm -hmm. Whole different level, whole different level. And this formula is geared towards performance, mm -hmm. mental performance. And of course, it's high quality coffee and cordyceps. Can you talk about that combination? And cordyceps is another adaptogen. Let's yeah. talk about that one. Yeah, coffee is very healthy and amazing. It's also a great powerful delivery tool. Um, it's people use it for energy and performance, but it's, there's tons of studies around workouts, pre-workout, post-workout, but whenever you need to get stuff done, when you need to perform in your mind or in your body or both, um, cordyceps is a very synergistic thing with, with coffee. Cordyceps is a fungi, very unique fungi. It was originally discovered in the Himalayans when the Sherpas, the, the people who go and climb Mount Everest and help people to get there. They were in high altitude with their, with their large mammals called yaks, and the yaks would help carry stuff up. And the yaks were tired because in high altitude, you work all day and you have less oxygen. And then they were kind of tired. And then they started grazing on this mushroom growing in the high altitude called cordyceps. And they suddenly got all horny. And they got horny yaks were like, the Sherpas was like, hey, is there something here? The yaks suddenly got all this life force and enter cordyceps. Later, it's been uh, used for hundreds of years, studied for many decades now, and we've found out few very interesting things for performance. One, it helps to increase VO2 max. So there's multiple tests with athletic men and people who are not so athletic and looking at their maximum oxygen intake after they consume cordyceps extracts and we found out that once you consume it on a regular basis, you can take more oxygen in. 
So this is obviously helpful for any kind of performance. Secondly, improved cellular health. So ATP production, it's kind of like how inside every cell in our body, we have this little factory and this factory creates this energy and that energy production just goes up, up to 50% more efficient in energy production. So that's powerful. And in that specific product, we also take L-theanine derived from green tea. So green tea has this powerful thing besides caffeine, it has this amino acid that is helps you concentrate, but in a calm way. So that when you take the coffee, you can kind of negate some of the negative downsides of the stimulation of the coffee with the help of L-theanine. Very smart, very smart. So that's again, seeing clinically, being, help, being able to help balance out that stimulating effect and bringing that kind of calmative. This is why green tea doesn't tend to, even though it has caffeine, mm -hmm. stimulate people in the same way. It's just kind of like that nervous system stimulant mm -hmm. button that it can push. So it's super balancing, just feels good. And also, obviously it tastes great too, mm -hmm. but um, it's just such, it's such a smart thing to upgrade the coffee experience. People are gonna have coffee. It's just, it's a cultural phenomenon. So deeply baked into our culture, but it is, it is the future, but it's present, it's happening now. You see it, you guys came, you brought it to the market like in a big way, these mushroom infused coffees. Now there's a lot of, you know, the copycats are, we're just gonna call it what they are, they're out there. But eventually you already know this, it's gonna end up at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. You know, they're gonna, if they're not already doing it, they've, they've got their eye on it. Well, Folgers already launched um, mushroom coffee, so I thought that was a. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and uh, wow, we just launched with Walmart, and I'm all for it. I'm um I'm when we first came to the U.S., there was like health and wellness circles, especially in the kind of advanced way, it was very um, exclusive. You had to be a cool guy, and that's why I bought this hat because you they otherwise they wouldn't accept me if I didn't have a hat. <laughs> if you don't have a Got to be a fun guy. You got to be a fun guy. If you don't have a hat, you don't belong. You got to, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was very like, you got to be cool. There was like, it was expensive. It was hard to use. It was this and that, you know, you had to, you know, want to be one of the cool kids. And we were like, no, we want this to be, we want to be inclusive. And how do we make this easy? How do we meet the people who need the help the most? So from day one, we first worked on flavor. We wanted the coffee as a way to make it fun and easy. Um, then we worked on price. Every year we've been reducing price. So coffee prices are up now almost 15%. So if you buy the same coffee, prices are up. This year, Four Sigmatic is one of the only companies who've lowered prices. Our coffee has mm. gone down. Now you can get it for um, more than 15% less at almost every retailer. And then now we're trying to get it to accessible to the to the to the everyday person who needs help. Who these are the people who run the country, run every country, and that's why I mean, we partner with Target first, and then now Walmart, and getting it to more people so more people can enjoy the healing properties of these these mushrooms. Yeah, this is one of those things that as you do this work, you realize that there's also an intelligence within certain foods and nutrients. Mm -hmm that can start to change a person from the inside out. You know, so it's just like the mission for me for so many years, just like, let's get these compounds in people's bodies and just like, let them do it. Versus me telling a, a person a thing to have that experience, right? Mm -hmm. Because food isn't just food, it's information. The same thing with these adaptogens. And so it makes us more receptive 
to ideas, to listening to our internal guidance system, to making healthier choices, right? So it's all baked into it and making it accessible because there's another thing I was against, um, you know, for example, like McDonald's putting, you know, um, maybe, maybe they're having like an organic smoothie at mm -hmm. McDonald's or something. I'm just like, you don't go to a, a drug dealer for your vitamins. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. perspective. But in reality, here in the United States, about 84 million Americans get fast food every day. Right, right now, and on any given day, not they're getting it every day, but on any given day, 84 million Americans are getting fast food. It's just a thing, it's happening. If we can start to interweave and find ways to provide more nutrition through those mediums, that's a great inroads because as we truly are voting with our dollar and these companies, we're starting to cut into their market, right? When we are like directing people away from them, they get with the times. Right, they're seeing like a burger lounge, for example, with mm -hmm. grass-fed parameters, and they're just like, and they're taken away from our bottom line. Let's lean into that ourselves. Now, not to say that they can't corrupt that mm -hmm. as well, but we're going to be able to affect change of so many more people. And I really believe that there's this tipping point as well with human consciousness and also health. It's just been this steady decline for so many decades. We need something to turn it around. And like what you're doing making this accessible to, to other folks. Because initially, of course, I would only see Four Sigmatic in like a Erwan, mm -hmm. you know, Whole Foods, like a higher end. And now making it more readily available, I love it. I love that, that idea, that concept, that thrust towards change. And now it's, but it's not just this. There's more to the story. Now we're into adaptogens. And let's talk about another one. Let's talk about ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those, it's a fun thing to say, ashwagandha. I dare you to say ashwagandha and not smile. But um, let's talk about what it is. Let's mm -hmm. talk about its adaptogenic properties. So Varishi is the number one or number two thing out of the traditional Chinese medicine system. Um, ashwagandha is the number one or number two thing out of the oldest medicinal system used today, Ayurveda. And it is a, an herb. Uh, it's a root most commonly used. And it is so powerful. And it's, here's one of my favorite facts lately. I check Google Trends. You can go and go to Google Trends and you can see whatever the world is searching. It's a great place to learn about what's happening in the world. And I looked at it and I compared ashwagandha, which is funny to say and hard to spell. Um, and I looked at it compared to other big food trends. And I noticed that more people are searching for ashwagandha than green juice. Mm. And that's, Interesting. that's, to me, that's a proof of it. And um, to me, it also says it's a proof that it works because it's not, it's been many decades. If you've been in the natural product stores 10, 20 years ago, you already saw ashwagandha, but it's slowly kind of become a thing and it's because it works. So what does it do? Well, to me, similar to Rishi, its power is in the HPA axis. Those are the two powerhouses to work on this superhighway, as you call it, and help with stress and improving sleep quality and some of those neurotransmitter production. Secondly, there's also a couple um, particular clinically studied extracts. I'm not a huge fan of these branded extracts because you're trying to kind of steal from nature, but there is products called KSM66 and Sensorel that have clinically proven to help with cognitive function. Mm. So it's interesting that how 
if you're a calmer version of yourself, a less stressed version of yourself, your brain fires better, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I would mostly recommend ashwagandha, similar to reishi, to help with stress, but it also helps with cognitive function. Awesome, awesome. Another one of these adaptogens that you're talking about in the book, and I haven't shared this with you. This was prior to us even setting this date to have this discussion, gynostema. Yeah. I've been really into gynostema. I've known about it for maybe 15 years, but just the last like three months, I've just been so compelled. And that's the thing too about some of these things like your body is just like a resonance. You know, so gynostema. Let's talk about gynostema. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I co-wrote the book Healing Adaptogens with Daniel Ryan Broida. She's a registered herbalist and a teacher of mycology. And and just like me, she spent um decade plus studying these adaptogens. And then we went through over a thousand research papers and try to weed off, you know, but you've written books. It's just so much this kind of weeding and trying to find the nuggets, make the nuggets easy to use and accessible. And after doing all that, we both sat down and it's like, hey, what are you impressed about? Like, what are you, after going through all the research papers, like you're an expert at this, what caught your eye? And you were like, hey, wow, that was even more incredible than I realized. And she said gynostema uh, as, as one of these things. It's, a, it's, it's been used for hundreds of years, but it's newer than the ginsengs and the rishis. And it was discovered in this village. And since discovering, we found out that it's the highest source of these saponins, four times more saponins than ginseng. And it is an incredible plant. By the way, easy to grow at home. If you have a window still, a little place for a home garden, you can buy these seeds and you can create your own medicine at home. Like you don't need a big garden or a big farm to grow this. You can just put it on your window and teach your kids how to grow your own food. And it's one of these amazing plants you can grow at home. But it is incredibly powerful and so versatile. But these saponins, just like the terpenes you found in Rishi, have incredibly powerful adaptogenic properties. and and uh, they restore balance in the body in so many healing ways. And absolutely, it's one of the more overlooked yet well-studied adaptogens in the world. Yeah, yeah. These saponins are these soap-like sugar molecules, mm -hmm. and you kind of break that down in the book. But this leads into another point of emphasis and clarity that we need to talk about, which is we do have colleagues who are like saponins, are slowly murdering you as mm -hmm. well, like these plant defense chemicals. And these are these are my friends, you know. So, Dr. Gundry, for example, mm -hmm. I I love Dr. Gundry, and he really mm -hmm. brought to a mass scale the awareness of plant defense chemicals. Mm -hmm. That there is a lot of truth within that about certain plants and about certain compounds degrading our health. But we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And by the way, if you ever see someone throwing a baby out with, nah, that's, it's just one of those crazy things that we do. We tend to put everything into this all or nothing basket and throw everything out the window mm -hmm. and miss out on the fact that for thousands of years, our ancestors have studied, have, have utilized, have perfected and uncovered the benefits in certain plant compounds. And so to just say these plant defense chemicals, that's, that's a bad thing. Let's help to bring some clarity and balance to this discussion. Yeah, I um, love Dr. Gundry, known him for years, 
met him and his wife years and years ago and uh, and this one cruise um long before he wrote his his these famous books so, you know Paul Saladino and many amazing people and I've talked to them about this topic as well and I've uh and although they're on to something I think it's very dangerous very dangerous to throw out whole food groups without focusing on quality and knowing what we're talking about First of all, if you start this path, you're going to eventually remove everything one can eat. So you can find negatives on every one of these larger food groups. Secondly, um, in these plants, we call it lectin, saponins, these things, or with fungi, is you have to understand that why they work is because they're a low level toxic. That's why they deliver the incredible health benefits. And this might feel counterintuitive, so hang with me a little bit. Let's take an example of working out. If you work out, you run up a hill, and take sprints, or you lift weights, you're temporarily weaker. Do a heavy set of deadlifts. It's hard to wear squats and then try walking up the stairs. You're not walking up the stairs as well as you did before the workout. But then after healing, your body says, hold on. I got to be more strong. I got to be anti-fragile. And in that case, you become a better version of yourself. That's what a lot of spices and these adaptogens do. They give you a low-level trigger. I'll give an example of um, turmeric. All of these people recommend turmeric. And turmeric is actually the curcumin does that. It actually triggers. It is a compound turmeric created to protect itself when we consume it. We get a low-level stress response. It's called xenohormesis. It's a hormetic stressor that the plant created for itself. And when we ingest it, we get the benefits. So this is what you do. Now, if you have huge digestive issues and you've been eating absolute garbage for years, then yes, excluding food groups temporarily can help you heal your gut. But your goal is to have buffer. Your goal is to have range. I think it's incredibly dangerous if you follow any diet you're on keto all day long, and then you eat one spoon of your wife's tiramisu and suddenly your metabolic health crashes. That probably <laughs> means you're yeah. doing not that well. You have some underlying issues, right? Same that if you have one cup of coffee and suddenly you're absolutely, your adrenals are out of whack. That probably means you got some work to do on restoring those adrenals first. So to me, a lot of health is about range. We will face stressors and that's good. And we need to build resistance, this anti-fragile thing um, that we can have ability to navigate through the challenges of life. And specifically, be it spices or adaptogens, they have these compounds that are used safely for thousands of years. And when you take them at low levels, still reasonably low levels, even if it's an effective dose, you're going to elicit evolutionary responses that will make your immunity better, your skin better, your gut better, your brain function will be better. And if you ever meet people who are, um, there are these words that I don't want to throw, but there are people who have real issues with food and they're super healthy. They go to the healthiest grocery stores and they eat all the healthy stuff and they know all the health stuff. And then you meet them and you look in the eye and you go like, how are you? And they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. Some of them will admit them. It's like, oh, my gut is all messed up. 
And some of them will not, but you can tell that you're not good. It's like you can see that they have this uh, pain body. They mm. have this stuff. And then you meet a surfer. He had a breakfast burrito with gluten and tater tots in it and at, at the beach and went surfing. And he comes out and you look him in the eye. And before you even ask, how are you? You can know from the eyes that he is awesome. Yeah. He is awesome. <laughs> and he will He's, tell you. He is full of life. Yeah. And that's why I think it's, you got to be careful on the obsession with nutrition and the obsession of blaming things bad without focusing on quality and dose and understanding your goal is eventually to have this range where you can eat anything and you'll still be fine. And so I do understand why for people who have major gut issues, lectins and other planned uh, toxins can be problematic, but you should be temporarily and excluding them. And I feel like a lot of these people who've spoken about it will still have plants. They will still go back to different plant kingdom items. And it was maybe temporary for them to heal their body. And for the fungi itself, you want it or not, you will have fungi in your skin and your gut. And even if you don't eat plant products, you'll probably have fungi in your meat. And it's going to be part of your, the air we breathe. There's going to be fungi. So fungi, you cannot escape, whoever you are. And in the plant case, they're powerful allies. But with like anything, you need to know the quality above anything. You have to understand what you're getting and your bio individual needs. Yeah, so powerful, man. Thank you for that. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, you mentioned the, the microbiome mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, this is a makeup, this is a part of, this is a part of who we are. You know, the similarity, we talked about this last time you were on with our DNA and fungi DNA. And I don't, I don't know if everybody caught earlier when I said, you know, you gotta be a fun guy. Mm -hmm. Shout out to everybody who got that little <laughs> nugget, but you mentioned just recently turmeric and again, we can get into this place where we see this as it has these plant defense chemicals. So we understand we're giving our body this really remarkable uh, safe stressor that then all of our modern peer-reviewed data is showing all of these benefits by doing so. And I'm just going to share a couple really quickly. This was from the Department of Neurology at USC. They're probably not that smart. I mean, but... They found that the active ingredient in turmeric, well, one of the active ingredients, like 300 that we've noted, uh, curcumin is able to help eliminate um, plaque in the brain and also slow down the aging of our neurons. It helps to eliminate heavy metals from our system, reduce inflammation in the brain. And another study, this was published in the European Journal of Nutrition, uncovered that compounds in turmeric can downregulate inflammatory cytokines. And so this has been a big part of the conversation recently with this virus this cytokine storm, what if there are things that, again, been used for thousands of years that help your body to tamp down and modulate the stress response, modulate the immune response? That's what I wanted to circle this back to with chaga. It's an immunomodulator. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that aspect of it? Yeah. So our body has a defense mechanism. And even with or without uh, the the K-POM here and, and Corona, uh, I would say we always have toxins. We, can, we eat toxins, we breathe toxins, we face toxins, and we have viruses, and bacteria, and this has happened since we were a kid. And uh, 
it is not uncommon to face these intruders. That's why the body's smart. It builds a defense force here. Like um, you have natural killer cells, you have these cytokines, and they are like intruders come in, they get to work and they get rid of the intruders. There's like your they're your internal security officers. Now, if they are lazy or weak, you will likely get sick. And that's when you need to boost them up. You need to get them stronger. That's called stimulation or boosting. That's when you upregulate your immune system. Unfortunately, a lot of people, for various reasons we don't probably have time for, have confused their in internal officers. And they don't know that when your cousin comes over, the cousin should be able to enter the house. Instead, they block even the good people. So then you get autoimmune stuff. You have your internal security officers are confused. And that's when a lot of people have to take pharmaceuticals like immunosuppressants. What's cool about adaptogens and these immunomodulating properties is they can do both. If you're the one who needs upregulation or you're the ones who need downregulation, these guys will help your natural killer cell activity, the cytokines activate, but not stimulate. And that is so powerful because that means you can work on your immunity well before you need it and it will be ready there without the risk of making yourself sick and being overly stimulated in your immunity. Mm. So with Chaga, so you mentioned Rishi being the queen of the mushrooms, mm -hmm. right? Chaga's the king. Yep. Is that correct? Yes. And in the book, you shared some, it should be, everybody should know this, some of the research around Chaga and cancer. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating because mm -hmm. this was even used as a pharmaceutical pharmaceutical, mm -hmm. some extracts of chaga in countries like, again, very advanced, like Japan. Yeah. So chaga and other of these adaptogenic mushrooms like turkey tail and reishi, there's a, and I have to walk a fine line here because of a, a law and what can I say and what I cannot say. But if you go to PubMed or you go and you search the Latin name of uh, Rishi, Conoderma lucidum, or Chaga, or Turkey Tail, and you, you look at them, and there's just hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of studies around that. To the point that actually on the Turkey Tail, there's two extract, PSK and PSP, but they were used as a cancer drug in Japan. And Chaga was used formally, it is in as a medicine in Russia. And it became famous in the West because of a Nobel-winning author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, wrote Cancer War, which is a book basically about him having cancer and then taking chaga to heal. And there's a lot of other interesting studies about chaga extract that was found a few years ago. I think it's a 2019 study. And the um, IOSP polysaccharide found in chaga helping with mitochondria cellular death, slowing down your mitochondria. There's another one on, on that 28% of test subjects who had psoriasis skin problems that are often due to immunity and gut were took chaga and completely healed the psoriasis in the study. So there's just powerful, powerful thing. And uh, so if, if you're interested in immunity and cancer, go to PubMed, see what the research is. We tried in the book to compile as much of it as we could, but it is like, um, you know, the official 
recommendation is you take these mushrooms alongside of conventional cancer therapy. And that's what, you know, my dad had cancer uh, a little over three years ago. He's now completely healed, but he had stage four cancer, multiple types of lymphoma. Mm. And uh, he had conventional cancer therapy, but also lifestyle and diet have a huge impact on it, even though I think official parties would say it has no impact on health and wellness. But I'm just going to call BS on that. Yeah, man. And also, again, you cited studies in the book as a complementary to conventional cancer treatments, utilizing things like chaga and turkey tail and dramatically improving survival rates, for example. Mm -hmm. And so, again, like this doesn't have to be one or the other, or all or nothing. There's an integration point here that we can look towards. And also, you know, I think it is turkey tail tremetes versicolor. Yes. I think it's like the coolest Latin name. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I can mix, sometimes you can get these mixed up, but with turkey tail, that was seen with, uh, again, an extract of that mm -hmm. being utilized in, in Japan as a approved medicine. And with chaga being such an integral part of the system in Russia, but also that might be one of the most, in a way, storied mushrooms just across the world at, at mm -hmm. various places. Where, where are we going to naturally, find chaga like in the wild well you find it a lot actually the most common place to find chaga is in the world's largest forest taiga t-a-i-g-a and that forest is larger than all of the united states it spans from norway all the way to um through russia into alaska and uh, and then canada and um uh, it's a massive forest, but it's you can find it in U.S., Canada, Norway, Finland, Sweden, Iceland, Russia, uh, Mongolia, kind of uh, in the colder climates growing on, wild in um, birch trees. And there's an abundance of these birch trees. Estimates vary anywhere between 10 and 30% of all birch trees will carry this uh, chaga mushroom in it. And in the book also, you, I love that you talked about sustainability as well. So again, make sure to get a copy of healing adaptogens, and you're just answering a lot of the questions that might come up as mm -hmm. we're learning about this stuff. But I want to talk to you about an adaptogen that we haven't talked about on the show before, Eleuthero. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, it's super underrated, and it's crazy that it's underrated because it is one of the absolute first ones that the Soviet doctor group studied, and it is the most versatile. I would put it right up there with ashwagandha and others. And it is crazy how powerful it is and how well it's studied it is. Uh, some people call it Siberian ginseng. Technically, it's not a ginseng. So you're not allowed to use that word legally because it's not that genus. Uh, but it's Eulithero. Um, Eulithero is amazing for immunity, brain power, and sports performance. It's one of those adaptogens. There's a handful of them where there's massive amounts of both rodent swim studies but also human studies on stamina and endurance and looking at like taking stress response be it swimming biking running skiing type of tests and then looking at lactate acid buildup looking at you know nitric oxide and eulithero is amazing as a pre-workout booster there's incredible studies on memory recall and also it supports with immunity and I just don't know, maybe the name is bad. Maybe we should come up with a better name, more marketable name, but it is 
based on historical use and modern research and versatility, something that everybody should be on. Like who doesn't need immunity, brain, and, and performance? So to me, it's just a no-brainer. And to the point that Four Sigmatic makes a protein powder, uh, the main point is that it's a really clean protein powder without gums and sweetener. Like there's no stevia in that. There's, we don't use, we use actual real vanilla, real cacao, yada, yada, yada. But we also wanted to add mushrooms and adaptogens because it's part of our heritage. And we chose the five best mushrooms. And we're like, okay, we can, we can afford to put two of these adaptogens in high dose before the flavor becomes not good if you put more. And we're like, what are the top two adaptogens to put in this protein powder that are the most versatile for everyone from sports performance to everyday wellness? And we chose ashwagandha and eulithero. And that's, to me, the greatest testament I can give is what are the two the best for the everyday person out of the plant-based adaptogens? And to me, ashwagandha and eulithero are right there. It's wonderful in the book, you actually break these into categories. So we've got energy and performance. We've got adaptogens for brain and focus. We've got adaptogens to restore for stress and mood, for longevity and well-being. Under the category of brain and focus is another one I just, prior to us setting this date, mm -hmm. I just so happened to start dabbling in it again, and it was Makuna. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that one. Makuna is like the most fun. It's the... Hakuna Matata, Mukuna Matata, you can make. It is just such a powerful, it's, it's a bean. It's the same family as the beans and peas of the world, Hipachia family. And it's actually interesting that besides these top adaptogens are the most sacred, best known, well-studied foods of each corner of the world. They're also the best of the best in their own family of foods. Like mm. Acerola is the best of the cherries. And in this case, Mukuna is the best of the beans. And um, it is a velvet bean. Um, you can find it around the world. Um, Ayurveda, they've used a long, long before. But what makes it interesting is it is the highest source of L-DOPA, which is a precursor to dopamine, which is an important neurotransmitter you might have heard um, that creates a lot of happiness and joy. Um, and it's actually the natural L-DOPA performs better than isolated L-DOPA. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's a mood enhancer. It's a cognitive enhancer. And then also it's used for libido. So happy mind, it also means happy uh, erectile. Happy flappy. Happy flappy. So um, what I really like it is particularly combining with coffee or cacao, these things that otherwise activate different neurotransmitters. So if you want to make your wife or your kid something mood-enhancing, powerful, and yourself is maybe a hot chocolate with vanilla and uh, mukuna, or start using maybe mukuna with, with your coffee with cordyceps and L-theanine. And it is, you will notice likely cognitive enhancement, mood enhancement, and then maybe eventually also um, uh, sexual enhancement. You know, I really do believe that, you know, there can't be a problem without a solution. The fact that the problem exists, it's like one side of a coin, mm -hmm. right? And this forces innovation. It forces creativity. It forces figuring things out. And the challenges that we're facing today, there are things that are rising up 
to help to address or balance out or reach a homeostasis for the planet, whether we realize it or not. And I feel that the emergence of these things amidst this chaos, what seems to be chaos, looking from the outside perspective with human health today, it's just, it's insanity. You know, we have so much, quote, sophistication and innovation and technology, and yet we're the sickest we've ever been as a species mm -hmm. from largely preventable things and kind of creating this epidemic of diverse sickness. Like there's so many different ways mm -hmm. that we're getting taken out and also our quality of life as we, you know, we have this perception that we're living longer, but we're really dying longer. We're extending suffering. And so when we have things emerging like this that again have been there as solutions for so long, but our accessibility because of our innovation mm -hmm. is what's new to help us to match these things. This is what's so exciting about adaptogens, but we need education around it. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to put this together and this is accessible for us to, to get more educated about. But in the book, you also talk about, and this is a specific quote from the book, you say that this time we need to become more adaptable and to become more anti-fragile. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing okay. Like, despite the technology advancement, you know, we have smartphones and Twitter, but we're not happier, we're worse. And actually, despite all the healthcare spending, the US spends on way more on healthcare per capita than anyone else, um, we're actually living shorter now. The last few years, uh, we're not living longer, we're living shorter, which is incredible in the modern times. Sexual reproduction, what a taboo that is. Um, male testosterone in Western world is declining. Actually, the, the, I, it's probably happened now that the global population has peaked. It's now starting to go down and wait 10, 20 years and our population will go down. Some say that by a few more decades and we're down to three, four billion. And that's incredible. And females have not been studied as much on sexual health, but it's clear that that's, uh, infertility is a male and a female issue. And I don't think you, the Pandora's box you can close as far as stress and modern life. I don't think that's possible anymore. That would require a massive issue. So to me, don't assume it's going to get easier. Assume you need to be better. Better doesn't mean new. Better means better. Better doesn't mean more. Better means better. You need to figure out a way how you can adapt to the modern influence. Let me take one example that not enough people talk in the health world. Eye health. We, there's no way these screens are now suddenly going somewhere. We have not over the last 200,000 years evolved to staring at a fixed distance upon hours and hours and the blue light and everything that we're facing. And that is incredibly stressful for our eyes. Mm. So we have not for enough many generations learned, our eyes have not evolved to stare at these different screens and push these buttons. And I don't think they're going anywhere. So what are you doing for your eye health? What are you doing to adapt into this new reality of staring at screens all day long? What are you doing? I would not assume things will get better, at least dramatically better, a little better maybe. They might even get worse. Maybe they get worse before they get better. So what are you doing to adapt your lifestyle and, and your systems and tools to adapt 
to this new world that we're living in. I think that is something everybody should ask for themselves. There's no one right answer. I don't think I have the answers either, but there are clues that we can learn from our ancestors and evidence-based science that we know today that you can start leveraging today and you can even make it fun and enjoyable and playful, be it a hot chocolate with your son or be it a cup of coffee or be it something else, be it cold plunge breath work or a game of pickleball outside with your friends. My guy, Terrell, can you let everybody know where they can pick up healing adaptogens and also just where they can connect with you and just get more into your universe? Yeah, you can get the book and my other books anywhere where books are sold. So you can go online to the big book giant or you can go to your local bookstore and support them. Um, and, um, and you can find me on the gram, I am Tarot, T-E-R-O. And then uh, my company, Four Sigmatic, is everywhere where kind of F-O-U, like you said, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. You can find it on social and online. And you can, if you want to try the products, we have, Money back guarantee. If you don't love it, you get 100% of the money back. And if you want to get a discount code, I believe you can use the code. Absolutely. Forsigmatic.com forward slash model. Legendary (laughs) out there. My guy, thank you so much for coming by and hanging out with us. Thank you. Awesome. Taro Isokopola. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. This is another call to action to really focus on this tenet that he shared, which is making ourselves more anti-fragile. As a culture, as a species, we've become more and more susceptible to all manner of degradation. Instead of becoming stronger and more robust, we've become more fragile as a species. And we know that chronic and infectious illnesses are shortening the lifespan and also causing sudden death for many of our citizens who are finding themselves in this fragile category. Now, there is obviously certain conditions as a individual that we can find ourselves in that we didn't necessarily construct, we didn't ask for. We might come into the game with a genetic defect, or we might come into an environment where we are just inundated and surrounded by things that encourage poor health. That's where I come from. I came into the game. My mother smoked. My mother smoke coming, coming into the game. I got here with that template. And then later on, of course, there's all this research. You shouldn't smoke when you have your children. You shouldn't drink all these different things. I'm coming into the game. I'm living in a household where my mother and stepfather smoke. They're smoking in the car. Is it a wonder that I developed asthma, that my little brother developed asthma and are hospitalized annually? Is it a wonder? I'm in these conditions. I didn't ask for that. But at some point, when I realized my power, I began to have the authority to not be around it. Even as a teenager, you know, a preteen, starting to like, of course, like I'm hearing about this stuff in school, like the dangers of smoking. I'm trying to find creative ways. Of course, I got in a little bit of trouble hiding my mother's cigarettes, things like that. That didn't work out well. All right. But instead, I could just remove myself from the environment. I'm going to be outside more often. I'm going to, you know, if my mom is smoking in a room, I'm not going to hang out in a room at that time, right? So I'm doing little things, even in that place where I'm still not legally able to make my own decisions. Of course, according to the laws of man, all right? Not the spiritual and universal laws of like, I have the ability to make choices 
even if the environment is going to force me into certain conditions, I still have the ability to think externally of those things. No one can ever imprison my mind if I don't give them permission to. And so moving on from that, of course, finding ways to make sure that I'm not even in environments, my friend group that I'm attracting aren't partaking in those things. It, doesn't, it isn't in resonance with me. My diet changing. And I remember I actually just shared this story last night with a friend. When I first met my wife, right? So we'd probably been together for maybe eight months to a year. And this is a true story. This is so crazy. We've been together for about 18 years. But in this time period, I had transformed my body, right? I was in a really great state of health, but I still had these nagging things. I would have an occasional asthmatic bout or hay fever, right? Seasons, seasonal stuff would really get to me. And even though, again, I'd done so much to improve my health, I was still dealing with this thing. And actually, she took me to the emergency room because I was having difficulty breathing. Like this was that recent in my cognitive timeline. Like there's before and after and, you know, before and after my wife. Like in that cognitive timeline, it seems like a very short time for me that that like it's something that I can reach for. Like I can't believe I was straight up at the emergency room because of an asthmatic response. And at that time, again, I'd done so much to nowhere in the nowhere near how I was, of course. And also, you know, like my little brother and still being on medication, all the things that wasn't my story. However, here I am in the emergency room. And it was because of a conversation after leaving the emergency room, getting my script, got my prescript. All right. Probably, you know, the run of the mill antibiotics, which was probably not even a bacterial issue I was dealing with, but I just wanted something. Just give me something to help me to deal with this. Give me something to help me breathe. And we, we have a place for that with emergency medicine, emergency situations. We're still treating symptoms. We oftentimes are going in for relief, causing more long-term damage. Because what if I'm taking another, another antibiotic and just creating massive disruption to my microbiome, to my cellular communication, and leading to more susceptibility down the road, right? Versus leaving that emergency room, we stop by her place, you know, where she's living with, with my mom-in-law, but, you know, of course, we're just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. My mother-in-law was like, oh, Jerry tells, tells me that you were uh, having difficulty breathing. And J Jerry is her Kenyan name, it's her middle name, so it's Ann Jerry. And um, Stevenson, now, <laughs> put a ring on it. Um, but anyway, she was like, Jerry's telling me that you were having difficulty breathing, you know, and you had to go to the hospital or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's the seasons changing, you know, it's the weather. And to know this woman now, what she was probably thinking about me, but she responded, she responded with directness, but also holding a space of compassion for me. And she asked me this question when I said that, that, you know, it's the weather, whatever. She said, is the problem out there? Or is the problem in you? Oh, to this day, still bakes my noodle. She deconstructed because at the time, again, because I had achieved so much as far as my health and now I'm helping others. And, you know, we can fall into this thing where we really think we've got it figured out, where we know everything. Clearly, I didn't. Like, I'm, I'm in a moment of suffering. 
And I've constructed this false thing that is the environment is trying to take me out. When really it was me. I was fragile in this context. And it opened up my mind because at the time for me, the big trigger, and this is not for everybody, but this was part of my story. I had made this, this mantra, this standard of, you know, organic food, high quality, avoiding pesticides and, you know, preservatives, all that stuff. Instead, so now I'm getting milk that is organic and it's non-homogenized, right? So I'm just trying to like, this has got to be better stuff. But my makeup at the time just was not having it. There was, there was a histamine response. There was a inflammatory response that was taking place when I was trying to have dairy. Within that time block of this happening, I did what we refer to today. It's a very popular part of the lexicon, a cleanse, right? But again, for me, this is 18 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. And what that means really is just allowing your body, getting out of the way. We don't need all these fancy pills and potions and all these different things. It's just a structured fast. I wasn't consuming the triggering food at the time for me, again, it was dairy. And I didn't return to it for quite some time. I never had another issue. It's been almost 20 years. Because for me, that was an allergen for me. That was a triggering response. And I was so, but I didn't want to let it go. Casomorphines, they're compounds in dairy that make it just like we get very attracted. And here's the thing. I had a little dabble of dairy yesterday. Matter of fact, I can do that today. My template, my genetic expression has changed, obviously, in this time span to the degree that I've created this more resilience because I don't want to accidentally come across some dairy and it takes me out, right? So we can get into, as he talked about, as Terrell mentioned today, these kind of black or white perspectives and miss out on the fact that we want to be able to be adaptable and resilient under different circumstances. And so the elimination of things, the exclusion so much so that we become hypersensitive to them if exposed, maybe that's not the best thing. But of course, there's a time and a place to have a elimination diet to remove the culprit. And now I can have a little bit of dairy, a little here, a little there, different types, especially again, the quality, the makeup of it. But also I know there's a tipping point for me where I can sense like, hmm, <clears throat> got a little something, got a little something going on, got to back off, right? And so that's the story for so many of us today. We're losing resilience. We've become more fragile as a species and we're working today to build ourselves from the ground up again because that's really what I had to do, brick by brick by brick construct a new era of health. Whereas if I continued in the path that I was born into, I clearly would not be here with you today. I was diagnosed with a degenerative advanced aging disease at 20, when my bones and my spine were deteriorating. Asthma, you know, go just throughout my family, the, you know, 80 to 90% of folks, obesity, the, the diabetes, the heart disease, the list goes on and on. These were all in my cards. But making the decision to become anti-fragile, 
to tap into the truest essence of us as a human species to be more resilient, to be adaptable, to be healthy. That's what this is about. So again, I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. Please share this out with your friends and family. You can tag me. I'm at Sean Model. Tag I am Tiro as well. Tag Tiro. Let him know what you thought about this episode on social media, on Instagram. You can tag us. Take a screenshot of the episode. We love to see that. And of course, you can send this directly from the podcast app that you're listening on. And we've got some epic masterclasses, powerful guests coming up very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.